Boy, that's great. You know, it's nice to have a church that'll work with you a little bit. Over the uh, Thanksgiving holiday, we watched the movie uh, The Preacher's Wife. Anybody ever seen the movie The Preacher's Wife? We're talking about some people who know how to have church. And uh, a lot of affirmation in that movie. So this morning we're talking about what we offer to God in worship. So you are welcome to offer things, all right? If I make an amazing point, you're allowed to say amen. Amen, brother. Okay. In the Bible, it says that we should shout aloud. That means when we're worshiping, we shout and other people can hear it. It is both allowed, that means you can hear it, and allowed. That means it's legal. All right? Okay. If you get out of hand, I've got two bouncers right here. (laughs) All right. No, I don't. No bouncing. Well, maybe later we'll talk about dance. Okay. Uh, Let me uh, just throw out two uh, more announcements this morning uh, for the common good, and then we'll pray and we'll move into the message. Um, First is this, we're uh, going to have two offerings today. I'm just preparing you. The message today is called Offer Up, more about worship than giving, but giving is a part of our worship. And uh, so uh, right after communion, we'll have our regular offering where we give our tithes, uh, and uh, offerings uh, for what God's doing in this church. At the very end of the service, at the end of worship, I'll have two baskets up front. And those b- baskets will be for extra giving if the Lord's leading you to give towards uh, the, that Christ- Christmas celebration that Chris talked about. Um, we're uh, hoping to give significant gift cards to the neighbors that we've been serving this last year so that uh, they can do um, for their families what might be difficult during the Christmas holidays and might what might be uh, easy uh, uh, for many of us. So uh, we'll have two offerings, just letting you know. Uh, One will be for what God's doing here, and then the second will be for what God's doing through here to the community. And uh, second and very important um, announcement, uh, you won't see this in your bulletin, but it is coming up the next couple weeks. Beginning today, uh, we're taking elder nominations. We have uh, two groups of elders that help lead the church, Uh, They're uh, under God. They're the people I work for. Um, And they're the people that uh, oversee all that happens in the church. Um, We're rolling two steward elders off. That sounds kind of dangerous, doesn't it? Rolling them off. Uh, People that have been serving for quite a long time and very faithfully. And so we're looking for two new steward elders. And these steward elders are those that help under God's direction uh, with prayer and discernment to care for the financial and the human and the sort of stuff resources of the church. And so um, you'll see uh, uh, in the bulletin next week the the, uh, qualifications for an elder. We're looking for people who have been committed to this church for a couple of years, who are ministering already in some way, who have those uh, biblical qualifications that you find in Titus and 1 Timothy. And um, so you'll hear more about that. We've got three weeks to do those nominations and you can email those to me or call those in to the uh, office. So we'll talk more about that in the next couple of weeks. Won't be affirming those elders until our um, congregational meeting in February, so we've got some time. Okay. Let's pray. God, we come this morning with great thanksgiving, not just because it was deemed a holiday some hundreds of years ago, But Lord, because in our hearts we know that all that we see and all that we have and all that we are, it comes from you. So we acknowledge you this morning. Lord, God, creator, 
sustainer, and redeemer. And we ask, Lord, that as we look in the scriptures about worship, about what it is that we bring to you in worship, we thank you that we follow your son Jesus who offered everything, who gave it all, who stopped not even at his life in his obedience to let all the world know that there is a Father in heaven who loves his people. So Holy Spirit, come and inspire us as we look into the scriptures, as we worship in spirit and in truth this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we've been uh, looking uh, through the month of November at worship. I've said um, many times, worship is not an event, it's a lifestyle. It's a stance that we take in the world before God and others. Worship is bringing our love to God freely. And um, uh, worship is a lifestyle. It's something that can happen at any moment of any day in any place. But specifically, I've been speaking about what what worship... Tryptophan, yeah. What worship looks like when the people of God gather together with an, with an intentional focus upon Jesus and upon God the Father and His glory with an invitation of the Holy Spirit of God to be here and, uh, in us and among us. So we've talked in, uh, in the last couple of weeks about showing up in worship, bringing our whole selves to God, everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, and laying ourselves before Him so that we can encounter who He really is. We uh, talked the second week about um, giving up, that is surrender, not quitting before God, but reallocating in a holy way everything that God's given to us to align with the reality of God's kingdom. And then uh, last week we talked about listening up, about um, holy listening obedience in God's presence, how he speaks and how we hear and how we respond to God as a part of our worship. And this morning, I want to end the series uh, with a message that I'm uh, calling Offer Up. Um, I got the sense as I was looking at this series that it's very likely that many of us, whether we've been in church for a day or a hundred years, don't necessarily know what all of the words mean in the Bible related to worship. Sometimes we can think worship means I walk, I mean, depending on your tradition, I walk in, I sit down, I shut up, or maybe I walk in, I stand up, I shout. Um, I know I specifically worship like this. You know? we, everyone has their style, and, and those styles are as unique as the people that God created us to be, and that's fine. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was doing a Vineyard DNA class talking about what what. Uh, what values motivate us as a church. And a woman came to me and she said, I have a question. I said, what? She said, how free am I here? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what she was asking is, how, how free am I in worship here? In other words, what's legal? What can I do? And uh, it was a great question. And I, I answered it briefly by saying, Um, everything that we do when we gather is to honor and glorify God. Galatians 5.13, it says that we're free, that we've been made free by Jesus. So we're completely free to express our love and devotion to God in many and varied ways we'll talk about. We see them in the scriptures. And at the same time, Paul instructs the Galatians, 
but don't use your freedom to serve the sinful nature, but rather use your freedom to love one another. So any way that you can love God while loving your neighbor during worship is legal. Any way that God would inspire you to express your love to him freely. And what I mean by that is we have people who love to dance and move. Um, at second service, you'll see Chad back there. And Chad's quite a figure uh, to see dancing. His, his shoulders are about like this to begin with. So he, when he goes side to side, you know, you don't want to be hit by Chad in worship. So Chad expresses his freedom back there, but he uses it to serve one another in love. That's why he dances back there. We'll have people that will want to come forward and lie on the ground prostrate. That's prostrate. That's laying down, not the going problem, okay? And you know what? To the extent that that expresses where you are with God, beautiful. If you're laying down on someone's lap in the front row, it's maybe a little breach of love, especially if you don't know them. So what I want you to do this morning is just hear the scriptures. And I gave you a handout this morning because I'm going to flood you again with scriptures. And I didn't want to pester poor Chris with slide upon slide. So uh, I'm going to speak from them. I'll read a few of them from my Bible. And then you can follow. Um, These are your notes to take away because the scripture is filled with instruction about worship. So I want you to see the scriptures in a new way this morning. I literally... And praying that you'll put the scriptures on like glasses. And that you won't look at the scriptures from a far away place. But that you'll actually see yourself through the scriptures. When it says that David danced before the Lord, we can somehow put that form of worship way back. You know, thousands of years ago. But I want you to see David dancing before the Lord. I want you to see yourself there. I want you to see yourself through the scriptures today. There's nothing we'll talk about today that doesn't relate to you in some way, no matter your personality, no matter your temperament, or your comfort level. So I want you to um, kind of put on the scriptures as 3D glasses. The only difference being when you reach out and touch God, he's actually there. He's actually present. The the main Old Testament uh, word for worship is a word, uh, shaka. It means, the first uh, meaning of this word is to prostrate yourself, is to lay yourself flat. In other words, the very first thing that came into the minds of the people of God when they thought about worship was not singing, was not dancing, was not shouting, it was flat on the ground. It was uh, right away reverence for who God is. It means to prostrate, to bow, to crouch, to kneel, to fall down, or to reverence. Um, This would be... Um, how Abraham dealt with God. When Abraham was bringing his sacrifice of Isaac to God, and he he thought very much that the Lord was going to take his son. He was giving his one and only promised son to God as far as he knew forever. And the the Bible says that he went and he worshipped. And what that means is that Abraham literally came up to the altar and he didn't do one of these things. He did one of these things. And he he bowed before the Lord. His head touched the ground. And what Abraham was saying is, you are God and I am not. Whatever you want from me, you deserve. Whatever you have given, you can take. 
Whatever I have is yours to use. That's the essence of worship. It's not that we bring something to God that he doesn't have. The only thing that we bring to God in worship that he doesn't have is our love freely given. And that's the essence of worship. This, excuse me. I'm going to ask Santa Claus for a new microphone. But he's got to go through Dan Keel. The uh, New Testament word for worship, proskuneo. Isn't that fun to say? Let's say that together. Proskuneo. Goody. Proskuneo means to kiss forward. It's the same understanding as the Old Testament. It means to, to, to be down to the ground and with your head touch the ground to offer as if you were going to offer a kiss to the hand of a king. And that word's used 52 times in the New Testament. We hear worship, and we tend to think singing and dancing and shouting, and those are all good things. Filled, the Bible's filled with them. But again, the essence, the main word, is this bowing, reverent offering of our whole selves to God. First and foremost, worship is that. Bringing our love, all of our love, freely before the Lord. Because He and He alone is worthy. We sing that as a Christmas song, don't we? For he alone is worthy. That's true all year round about our worship. It's, uh, this New Testament word is, uh, means to acknowledge God's nature, to acknowledge the fact that God is completely other than we are, his attributes, his ways, and his claims, either by our words of thanksgiving, God, you are great, God, you are wonderful, you're amazing, you're awesome, or by uh, our deeds done in acknowledgement of God. When we give our finances, we're saying, God, you're worthy of this. We're not buying God's favor with our tithes. Our, God's favor was already purchased for us. Jesus gave everything. When we give our tithes and our offerings to God, we're just saying, God, everything you've given to me belongs to you, and you can have it. You can use it as you will. By our deeds, we're acknowledging that he is Lord. Hebrews 13, 15 says this. Through Jesus, see there's the basis of worship. We have access to God's presence because of Jesus. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So we see that God's worshipped when we give him our time, we sacrifice our time. Some of you are sacrificing ESPN time right now, right? Some of you are sacrificing sleep time right now. We're saying to God, you're worthy of my time. And I'll bring my sacrifice. It won't be a bloody bull or a dead goat. It'll be the time that I would have done something else with. I'll offer it to you because you and you alone are worthy of that. Our sacrifice of praise is giving to God the only thing that he doesn't have from us. And that's our love given by choice. Boy, especially don't you think God is pleased when we come in and we don't feel like it. And sometimes I think we get the idea, oh, God's upset with me because I'm not happy in worship today. I think God loves that because he sees in your heart. He knows what's going on in your life. 
He knows the fight you had over Thanksgiving. Only some of you laugh because for many it's true. He knows the struggle that you had going back to family. He knows the pain. And you come here on this Sunday after Thanksgiving and you say, God, in spite of all that, I'm giving my love freely to you. I think the Lord rejoices in that. And so we praise God. Listen to Psalm 149 and 150. You want to learn how to praise and worship God, just read the Psalms. It's like the best aerobic workout you could possibly have. Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Do you hear all the words? To sing, to praise, to rejoice, to be glad. Let them praise his name with dancing. It's in the Bible. You're allowed to dance. Thank you. And make music to him with tambourine and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with salvation. Let the saints rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. Just hear that phrase again. The Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with salvation. Let the saints rejoice in this honor. When we come to God in worship and we're praising him and we're dancing before him and we're playing music and we're shouting and we're giving to God all the praise that's due his name, God delights in it. And it says that in response, he gives to the humble, that is the people who know that he's God and we're not, salvation. We're rejoicing in the fact that God delights in us. When we worship, we don't do it so that God will delight in us. We don't earn God's favor by our worship. We are thankful for God's favor in our worship. It's because of God's favor. God's delighting when we're delighting in the fact that he delights in us. That's delightful. And that is what worship is meant to be. The, the, the one who is owed all things, who's given all things to the ones who deserve nothing, but have gotten everything, coming back before God and saying, I can't believe it, but you delight in me. And I'm just going to join your celebration. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord delights in you. He rejoices over you with singing. That's a real picture of what happens in heaven when we worship. <clears throat> Rejoice and be glad. Rejoicing is a choice when we come into God's presence. It says praise him with dancing and with music. There are two words, two different words for praise here. And one is halal, and that means to glorify or boast or commend. In other words, we're bragging about God when we worship. We're bra- you know... Two little uh, six-year-olds, you know, my dad's bigger than your dad. My dad could beat your dad up. My dad knows everything, you know, that kind of thing. When we talk about God, it's all true. And God is perfectly pleased with our bragging upon him because there's no way we can say something that's good about him that isn't true. He never has to come down and correct us when we brag about who he is. And we offer him our praise. That's one form of praise, the halal, to commend or to boast about God. The other word is zamar, when it says sing praises to God. And that's the musical part. That means to make music and to sing praises. 
So that's why we sing the song, you know, coming back to the heart of worship. It's not just about music, but that's a part of it. A part of our worship. I mean, you know what music, music is so powerful, isn't it? Music is so powerful. How many of you went back somewhere for Thanksgiving and you heard a song and it just stirred something in you? It brought a memory. Tradition in my uh, family growing up was that uh, Thanksgiving morning was the first time that we would play Handel's Messiah. I know we're weird. Does anyone else do that? No, just us. Okay. To me, it's very meaningful. So when I hear the first movement of Handel's Messiah, I, I, it's Thanksgiving for me. My, my soul is flooded with joy. My, my uh, lips start to tingle with desire for turkey and stuffing. Because the music brings me to a place that I remember. And that's one of the reasons we use music in worship, is it's a, a helpful way to return us to the presence of God. You know that you can be singing songs and songs and songs. You go to some other church in worship and you hear a song from 20 years ago or 40 years ago. It's an oldie but a goodie. And all of a sudden you're just crying in worship. You're thinking, what's going on? God has used the music that's embedded in your soul and he's reminded you of a place he blessed you in the past, of his goodness and of his favor. And so a part of our worship is using that music to just remind ourselves over and over what God has done. We sing praise to him with dancing and with music. It says, let the saints rejoice in this honor and sing for joy, to rejoice in the honor of God rejoicing in us. So when I think of worship, I want to be thinking about a prisoner upon his freedom, a lame person upon their healing, a lost person upon being found. You ever have the experience when you were a kid, you're in the grocery store and you went up, you know, you're five years old, you went up and you tugged on someone that you thought was mom and then they turned around and mom had a beard <laughs> and you freaked out, right? Because you're so disoriented, you're so scared. And then you look down the aisle and you see the real mom, the beardless one. You know what that felt like as a kid? I'm safe. Oh, everything's going to be okay. When we come back to God in worship, when we delight in what he's, his delight in us, that's what we're doing. We're like a prisoner being freed, like a lame person being healed, like the lost being found again. And that's why for those of us who understand the gospel as good news, that God has done for us what we never could or will deserve in Christ, that he's redeemed us and brought us into his presence. It's perfectly appropriate that praise and worship and shouting and dancing and weeping and crying burst from our souls. Because this is reality we're talking about. This is eternal reality. This is a few stages above the Colts getting a touchdown. No condemnation for those who love the Colts and shout and cheer when they score. But when we come into God's presence, we are celebrating a greater event. We're delighted in. We're redeemed. We're freed. We're healed. We're found. That's the heart of worship. That's why sometimes you feel like your heart wants to burst in worship. Even if everything else in yourself is saying, calm down, calm down, 
Don't be one of those. But inside your heart, it wants to burst. Sometimes with praise and shouting and joy. And sometimes with sorrow and weeping. The Bible says, Praise Him for His acts of power and surpassing greatness. With trumpet and harp and lyre and tambourine. With dancing and strings and flute and cymbals. In the very last verse of the Psalms, 150 Psalms, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's like if you, if you view the Psalms as David's or the, you know, the people of God as their journal, their private intimate account of their encounters with God, at the end of it all, they say this, at the end of everything, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That's what we were made for. It's the essence of your calling. Ephesians 1, we were made to exclaim the excellence of his glory. That's our, part of our created reason. And so when we enter into God's presence and we worship him, we're just doing what we were made for. That's why the scripture says that we will worship him forever and ever and ever. And you know what? It won't be boring. I don't know how God's going to work that out. Because sometimes when we sing the eighth verse of the same song, I'm like, okay, I know this one. But when we're in the presence of the, of the indiscernible God, it will be different. It will be like every time we look at him, it will be brand new. Every time we look at God in heaven, it will hit us all over again. I don't know how that works. I just know that that's the case, that that's what will happen. And that worship will be glory in his presence. Psalm 100, it says, shout joyfully to the Lord. Remember what I said about shouting joyfully to the Lord? It means aloud, and it's aloud. So let's have a little practice, okay? You got a word, a shouting word? This is going to be really hard. I mean, it's 10.03 after Thanksgiving. Okay, let's try a little shout. Okay, Praise the Lord. There's one. Thank you. Do I hear a hallelujah? Can I have a glory? Can I have an amen? amen. All, right. All right. Come on, God. That's pretty good, right? And that was about three frames above my comfort level. It's allowed. It's not required. It doesn't make you a better worshiper if you're louder. I'm just saying, how free are you? Completely free. To shout out what's inside. To acclaim who God is. To announce it. You know, the Bible says if we don't proclaim God's worthiness, the rocks will cry out. That sounds scary to me. So let's do the job. Psalm 100 says, Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us and we are His. There's a whole sermon right there that I won't preach. But when we walk into worship, there are at least three things that are happening up here. We know that He's God and we're not. That's humility and that's reverence. We know that He made us. That's a recognition of reality. We're the created and He's the creator. And He's do everything that we can give Him. And we know that we are his. That's the delight. 
So you never again have to walk into worship ashamed because you belong to God. You never again have to to walk in and be afraid of how God will look at you because we know when we come before the Lord that He is God, that He has made us, and that we are His. That's why we spend so much time reminding each other that we belong to God. We belong to God. We belong to God. You cannot sin your way out of God's favor. Don't try it. But it can't be done. And the quicker that you acknowledge that you've gone away, the quicker you turn around, the quicker you'll see him. I mean, this is the, this is the, uh, the golden road of repentance. As far as we go down the road away from God in our worship of idols, whatever they are in our lives, as soon as we turn around, he's there. It's not even like the prodigal son, you know, where we have to realize, oh my gosh, I'm in a pig pen. Now I have to journey back. No, the reality, just look in Hebrews 10, 11, and 12. The reality is immediately when we turn around, he's there. The welcome is immediate. The payment has been made. The forgiveness is certain. We're in God's presence. Psalm 34, let us bless the Lord at all times. Let his praise be continually in our mouths. Psalm 103, 2, bless the Lord and forget none of his benefits. To bless the Lord is just another way of saying extreme thanksgiving. When somebody gives you something, you know, you're, uh, you're walking out of the mall and you've just bought 57,000 pieces of beef stick for, for the holidays, okay? And you can't carry all that beef stick. And you drop beef stick all over the parking lot. That was a really bad analogy. <clears throat> that was not planned. But if you get to your car with all that beef stick and it's spread it all over the ground and someone finally comes up and helps you and starts getting in, what do you say? You say, bless you. Thank you. I could never have done it on my own. That's what blessing God means. You're saying to God, God, I'm in your presence. You delight in me. I'm favored. I'm forgiven. I will live eternally. I could never have done it on my own. When we bless God, we're just thanking Him that He's done what only He could do for us. It's worship. Not for His favor, but from His favor we worship. That's why um, when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well and He says, there will, a time is coming and now is that true worshipers will worship in spirit that's filled with the Holy Spirit and in truth. In other words, they will know the truth of who God is and what He's done. And it won't be fearful worship. It will be reverent, yet joyful worship. Always a paradox in the kingdom, isn't there? We come in bowing and reverent and kneeling, and he lifts our face and says rejoice. So I can't remember the scripture now, but there's actually a... Um, someone will know it. There's a scripture that says rejoice with trembling. You think God doesn't love paradox? We come into God's presence. He says, rejoice with trembling. Well, God, which is it? And he says, yes. Rejoice with trembling. Be thrilled because I'm God. Know that I deserve everything and I've given you everything. The Bible, Psalm 95 says, we should extol him with music and song. To extol God is to lift him up. 
It's to, it's to exalt him. It's to, uh, it says that uh, in the scriptures that God is exalted on our praises. It's not like we have to lift God up. It's not like we have to put him on our shoulders so everyone can see him. What we're really doing is we're just communicating to the world the truth. So there's a scripture that says, magnify the Lord. Now, what does that mean? When we come in to God's presence and it says, magnify the Lord, what does that mean? When you think of magnifying, normally you think of a magnifying glass, right? You think of looking at something that's very small and making it appear bigger than it really is, okay? But there's another type of magnifying. It's the telescope. And when we're magnifying the Lord, it's telescopic magnification. With a telescope, we take something that's huge and remarkable and unbelievably grand, and we bring it closer to the reality of what it really is in our lives. We see the moon, we think, oh, that's cool. Telescope, wow. We see the stars twinkling. We say, oh, that's nice. And you get pictures from the Hubble. <gasps> that's what's really true. And that's what it means to magnify the Lord. Not to make someone who's small appear bigger, but to actually bring the reality of who God is into our present day. God's powerful. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That word doesn't do God justice. God, you're amazing. What? I mean, have you ever taken a science class? God is awesome. And so when we magnify the Lord, just think telescope. We are bringing into the present something grander than we can ever imagine, achieve, or, or, uh, or pretend to know completely about. <sighs> I've run out of words. Turn to the New Testament just for a second. Colossians 3, 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You walk into worship, let God give you peace. Accept the peace that is between you and God because of Jesus. Let the peace of Christ rule. You walk in, oh, I'm safe here. In God's presence. Since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Thankfulness is a choice. We're different than the animals because we can choose what we set our minds upon. We can walk in and think about the fight over Thanksgiving. Or we can walk in and thank God for the breath that he gave us to have it. We can walk in and be concerned about the pain in our body, or we can walk in and be thankful that our body is alive before him. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. A part of our worship is reminding one another what God has already said. And that's why sometimes right here in the vineyard, during worship, you'll see someone walk up and, and pester me on the shoulder. I think God's saying something. Some of us, with boldness, will walk to another one and say, you know what, I looked over during worship and God said this about you. He just wanted you to, rem to, to remind you. He loves you. You're forgiven. You're loved. You're beautiful in his sight. 
And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Obedience is worship. Every time we walk into God's presence with a heart that says, God, when you say go, I will say yes. Whether I know what, where you're saying what to do or not. The, it's the inner yes crying in your heart that God just loves in worship. And there are so many other things that we offer to God in so many other ways. Our time. We ascribe to Him glory. That is true presence. God is the foundation of all reality. Our love, our affection, our devotion, our trust, our dependence, our honor, our reverence. All these are a part of worship. When we speak or we sing in tongues... 1 Corinthians 14 says that's praise to God. So it's legal. Now Paul says when you stand up and speak a tongue to the church, you need an interpreter. But when you're just singing your praises to God, do it. Belt it out if that's God's gift to you. Don't use that freedom as a, as a, a way to use your sinful nature. You don't want everyone just to look, what, I got the gift of tongues, you know? No, that's not the purpose but that God might be worshipped in spirit and in truth. I sing in tongues up here all the time. You just don't hear me because it's to me and God. And I make sure my microphone's off, otherwise you would. <laughs> or words of prophecy. It's worship when we speak God's words with humility. Maybe it's dancing or painting or sculpting or lying on the floor or raising your hands in your handout. I gave you scriptures for all those or clapping your hands, or sitting quietly before God and just listening, or opening ourselves to God in humility, or sitting before Him with trembling, or confessing our sins with weeping and sorrow, or repentance. Joel chapter 2, God says, I'm so glad you're here. Now don't rip your clothes in repentance. Rip your hearts open. What that means? Bring it all. Bring it all to God. And rejoice in your salvation and your forgiveness. Reconciliation with others is a part of worship. And so Matthew 5, Jesus says, When you're about to bring your offering before God, and you remember, oh, my brother or my sister has something against me, he says, wait, go to your brother or your sister and, and resolve and reconcile with them and then bring your offering." You know what Jesus is saying? I don't need your money. I want your hearts. And if you give me the gift, but you've kept your heart from your brother, you've missed it. James says, how is it? Or no, John. He says, how is it that we could actually say we love God when we despise our brother? We despise the one we can see and we love the one we can't see? It doesn't work that way. So a part of your worship today, and this is for some of you this morning, before you bring your offering, before you take communion, go reconcile with your spouse. Go reconcile with that person in your life that's sitting here where there's some conflict. You have, you have uh, uh, freedom today before we go into worship to go outside and call someone on your cell phone. Say, I'm sorry. And then come back in. And worship God with abandon because you're free. 
We worship by declaring God's works, telling on God, giving our tithes and our offerings. And that's just a portion of it. Let's stand. We're going to thank God and worship Him by taking into our bodies His body broken for us and His blood shed for us. Communion service, if you can come forward. And I want you to take this as a moment. If you've given your life to Christ, this is your time when you come to Jesus and you say, you gave it all for me. God, do the work by your Holy Spirit in me that when I worship, I might offer it all back to you. That I might be a worshiper in spirit and in truth. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Holy Spirit, for your empowerment and your conviction. And Jesus, Son of God, for your body and blood broken and shed for us. Renew us this morning as we take it in remembrance of you and declare your praise until you come again. In the name of Jesus, amen. You can come forward when you're ready. Just in this attitude of worship, will you, will you sit for a minute? Um, I've, I've got a specific uh, sense of what I think God is doing uh, in our midst in a corporate way. And I think it was confirmed as Judy gave me a word. So we'll release here in just a second. But uh, while we were worshiping, I saw in my mind this image and it came very, very clearly. Um, it just takes a bit to explain. If you ever saw pictures of certain concentration camps in Germany, in German, over the concentration camp entrance, it says, Arbeit macht frei, which means uh, work brings freedom. And I, I think what the Lord was saying is that there might be a number uh, here among us who believe that that if you work hard enough, you'll be free. That, uh, you've, that though you know about grace, there's something about working for the Spirit of God to move in your life. There's some work. Now, I don't want to say no to a work ethic. The Bible says if a man doesn't uh, work, he shouldn't eat. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about striving for God in the spiritual things in places where God's already given grace and authority. Um, Judy saw uh, the lion of Judah and she saw the lion sort of going through our sanctuary with basically the authority and saying to people, what you long for, I've already given you. The scripture so clearly says, if the son sets you free, you're free indeed. And that it is for freedom that you've been set free. Second Corinthians three, where the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So uh, what I want you to do, if this morning you have this sense in your spirit that you long for freedom, that you want it, that maybe you've been working for it, and now you realize you can't earn your freedom through work, that God just wants to give it, uh, or, or that sense of just wanting to claim what you know God has already given, I would like to ask you to stand right now. So either that sense of working for your freedom or the longing for God to make clear to you what you know he's already given to you. Okay. If I could have the ministry team and some of the intercessors who aren't standing come forward. So the ministry team and any other home group leaders. And um, just after I pray here, I'll put the baskets up here for the second offering so you're free to do that. 
But just after I pray, I'm just going to ask uh, those on the ministry team to go out. To go out to you who are standing. And the symbol here is this. You don't have to do anything to accept God's gift of grace and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Work doesn't bring freedom. Freedom brings the good works of the kingdom in you. And so I'm just going to ask the ministry team to go out to you and just to lay hands on you and pray quietly to minister to you in the power of the Holy Spirit. And after I pray, we can be free to go. If you want to give offering for the Christmas celebration, you're welcome to. If you just want to stay here in God's presence, you can. Or if you want to turn and pray for someone next to you who's standing, that's fine also. So ministry team, you can start going out. Father, we just thank you now for those here this morning who are... uh, believing that they have been made free by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now we ask in the name of Jesus, release that spirit among us. We need a few more people to pray. So anyone else who's been trained to pray or you're an elder or a home group leader, come on forward or find someone to pray for. Holy Spirit, now come. We declare this day the truth of the scripture that the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we declare this morning over these who are standing, over those who are sitting, over everyone this morning who names the name of Jesus, we declare freedom to you. We declare freedom this morning. Freedom from bondage this morning. Freedom from sins that have held you this morning. Freedom from thought patterns that have dragged you down. Freedom from the pain and the wound of old relationships. Lord, this morning, freedom in the Holy Spirit, freedom to worship, freedom to express the true identity, the Christ in you this morning. Freedom to accept the gift of God's acceptance. Freedom this morning to experience God's delight over you. God's joy over you. Freedom this morning to be who you are, where you are. Freedom to receive from God as you sit. Freedom to receive from God as you stand. Freedom to hear the still, small voice of God. set us free that we might worship you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just continue to pray for those. If you want more prayer or for something else, please come forward and go in peace to love and to worship the Lord with rejoicing and trembling. Have a great day.